Good morning, everyone. First off this morning, let me just say how excited I am for Vision Night coming up this evening at 6. We really do encourage and hope to see you there because what we're going to be doing at this Vision Night is so important. We'll be taking some time to look back over the last school year and really celebrate and recognize so many of the cool and big things God has done in and around Brookside. But we'll also take some time to look ahead to what's coming as well. So really important stuff that way. And then don't forget to come early for hamburgers and hot dogs. There's dessert in the care center. Also a great time just to interact informally as a church family. So definitely worth it that way. So, so the things to remember are vision night tonight uh, at 6 p.m. It's worth it is the second thing. And then come at 6 is the third thing. Uh, or earlier if you're hungry. Well, now let's turn the corner and let me get into things this way this morning. Earlier this week, I was talking with a recent college grad who had grown up at, at Brookside and was a really great athlete in high school, did lots of sports, and was, uh, was recruited pretty heavily for track and field out of high school. So went to a, a university in the area where he ran track and field and just had tremendous success both at the local but also the national level, really ran lots of national events as well. And so, so this guy is a runner. He's got lots of experience with lots of different kinds of races. And so I was a little little surprised, taken back, whatever, when I heard him say fairly strongly and fairly clearly that, that a relay race is so much more exciting and thrilling, those are his words, than an individual race. And then he went on to, to, to explain why a relay race is so much more exciting. He says, everyone's best times come from relays, as running for a team is usually more motivating than running for yourself. There's just something about not wanting to let your team down and doing your job that, that, that makes a relay more exciting than an individual race. And so in the middle of this relay race, this already is so captivating because there's, so there's so many moving parts to it, the most compelling part of the relay race is the handoff of the baton, right? Where one runner comes around, passes the baton to the next. Everybody kind of leans in to make sure that baton, that baton handoff goes well. Then the next runner takes off, running his or her leg of the race. And the runner I was talking with this week, he said that a well-executed handoff allows the race to keep going smoothly. In a sport of seconds, listen to this. In a sport of seconds, the handoff is crucial. And then the dad chimed in the conversation, and, and, and he mentioned that, that if during the handoff the baton is dropped, the race is over for the whole team. All the training they'd been going through up to that point, it's for nothing if a, if a handoff isn't executed well. And so we can all just imagine coaches just kind of yelling at, at the runners that they coach so often, whatever you do, they say, whatever you do, don't drop the handoff. Well, here's where I'm going with all that. As we help people find and follow Jesus here at Brookside, the picture of following Jesus that we want to put in front of people and that we want to keep in front of people isn't a sprint where there's just this short burst and then you're done. And a marathon maybe gets closer to what we want to accomplish just because of all the perseverance and endurance that it takes. But even a marathon doesn't quite get everything. And so the picture of following Jesus that we want to put in front of us as a church and keep in front of us is that following Jesus is a relay. Our leg of the race is really important. And so we need to train hard and we need to run well. 
But at the same time, we always need to be thinking in terms of the runner that's coming up next, the next leg of the race. We want to hand off the baton smoothly to them. We want to position them to run their leg of the race as well as they possibly can. And so what this means for us as a church is that as we help people find and follow Jesus, at the front of our minds as part of that is always thinking in terms of the next generation. And by that I mean students right now that are in college or college-aged, high school students, all the way down to kids in our nursery down the hall that can't even walk yet. My goal this morning is that you would have such a clear picture in your minds of how you can invest in the next generation so that way they can run their lap, they can run their leg of the race well and faithfully. So following Jesus is a relay. And the next leg of the race, the the next runners up, are the next generation. Whatever we do, Brookside, whatever we do, let's not drop the baton. And so we need to give this our best effort. We need to give this our full attention. So we position them to run well. We, We can't be thinking only of ourselves. We can't just be protecting things that we've created in our own generation. We can't hoard that. We always need to be thinking forward to positioning the next generation to run as well and as hard and as faithfully as they possibly can. This isn't optional. This is why we put this message in this series, Things to Fight For, because this, this is elevated to that level of importance. This is that big of a deal. The next generation is absolutely worth fighting for. And more and more research is pointing us in the same direction. Young people need the wisdom that that older people bring to the table. And then older people need to be thinking forward into how they can be investing themselves in the next generation. And this research isn't just coming from within Christianity. There's a recent book out called Man Interrupted, Why Young Men Are Struggling and what we can do about it. This isn't a Christian book, but listen to what the author, he's a, he's a social psychologist, so he knows what he's talking about. Listen to what he says. He says, one of the most crucial things for these young men transitioning into manhood was simply having an adult male around who enjoyed their presence and could guide them, who could hand the baton off to them so they could run their lap well, so that they could be loved for who they were but also held accountable for what they did. And so here's the bottom line. Everyone wins when we think bigger than just the generation that we were born into. Everyone wins when we invest in and fight for the next generation. And the thing is, this just reinforces what Christianity has always been about. From the earliest pages of the Bible, forward from there, following God has always been giving us this this long game vision for not just thinking in terms of my own generation but thinking in terms of the next generation and, and passing along what we've been given forward to them. I love how my parents modeled this for me. I don't know where I would be if my parents hadn't done the intentional things they did to build into myself and my brothers just to shepherd us well to hand us the baton. I don't know where I'd be if the different youth leaders I had, Sunday school, up through middle school and into high school, and and then mentors in college, if they hadn't taken time out of their schedules to build into me and the next generation 
as intentionally as they did. And so this is important. And one of the places we see this emphasis on the, ne- this emphasis on the next generation stand out is in Psalm 78. This passage offers us a ton. Just in these first eight verses is what we're going to look at today. We see what we should be passing along as we invest in the next generation. But then we also see why we do it. Why it's so important what our goals are. So let's go to Psalm 78. Always we encourage you to to read along on the screens with us. To turn there in your own Bibles. Psalm 78, I'll start reading right away in verse 1. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. So, so listen up, this is important, he's saying. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. And, and then in verse 4, the psalmist gives us this resolute passion that he has for fighting for the next generation, for, for reaching down into the next generation. So, so these things that our ancestors have told us, These things that we have received from somebody who's come before us. These things our ancestors have told us. Verse 4, he says, we will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation. I I mean, that's declaration, what he's saying. That's conviction. That's passion. We see his commitment to fight for the next generation. The psalmist, he knows that following God is a relay. And he knows that we need to pass what we've been given along to the next generation. And then in the next few verses, the psalmist spells out very clearly what it is that we should be passing along to the next generation. So let me just keep reading in verse 4. So we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them. But then again, look at this long game the psalmist has. Look at how far into the future he's looking. He says, so that, so that even the children yet to be born would know them. And they, in turn, would tell their children. And so straight from those verses, we get this great framework for what we should be passing along ourselves to the next generation coming behind us. We, we, we see we should be passing along God's deeds, what God has done, ways he's worked around us. We should be passing along truth about God's character, what he's like, his power, his wonderful deeds. Then we should be passing along truth about what God has said. When, this, when these verses talk about God's statutes, that's just pointing us back to, to God's word, to the Bible. And so right there we see that we teach people We pass along what God has done, what God is like, and what God has said. So let's look first at what God has done. Passing along that piece of things to the next generation. Certainly, a big piece of this is always focusing on the great things that God has done that we read about in this book. Because we never want to ignore that. All the way from creation on this end to new creation where history ends as we know it. And then in the middle of that, the biggest, greatest work that God has done on our behalf, the sending and the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, the cross and the resurrection. Those are great things that God has done that we need to be passing along. But even as we do all that, that still leaves us plenty of room 
to talk about things God has done in our lives and in our midst over the last couple of years and over the last couple of months and over the last couple of days. Because the next generation, they will never know how faithful God has been to you unless you take 15 minutes out of your day to share very concretely with them different examples from your own life about how God sustained you through, through a trial that you experienced, something you would never wish on anybody, but something God was faithful through on your behalf. The next generation will never know how good God's provision is unless you take five minutes out of your day to share a specific example of how God came through for you in a timely way in a difficult time in your own life. As a tangible reminder of all this for me, I've got this box and carries in my bedroom underneath my nightstand. Uh, a few months ago, I brought in a box of things that Carrie gave me while we were dating. Now I've got this box of rocks. Uh, don't worry, my bedroom isn't full of small boxes with random collectibles. Uh, those are about the only two I've got. So, so when, when I was in high school, someone encouraged me, challenged me, whatever, to just keep my eyes out for ways God was working in me and around me, something that I would say would be pretty undeniable ways God would work. And then every time I saw one of those big ways God was at work, just to pick up a rock. So I've got a rock in here from when God got a hold of me in a big way in high school, just reset the trajectory of my life. I've got a rock in here. I pick up a rock every time I go to Zambia to train pastors. Because when I see God's global work and what he's doing to faithfully build his church through the work of those men over there, that is evidence, undeniable evidence, that God is still doing wondrous, praiseworthy deeds. I've got rocks in here that I pick up when I see God work in and around my kids in some pretty cool ways. And then there, there are rocks in here that I don't even remember specifically what they're for. But I know even if I can't remember the details, that each one of those rocks was a time when God worked in me or around me in some big and undeniable way. And so we pass along what God has done, the praiseworthy deeds that he is still working in our midst. We also pass along what God is like. One of the quotes I use all the time is from this guy by the name of A.W. Tozer. He's got this great book, Knowledge of the Holy. And, and what he says, he says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I think he is absolutely on point there. And so that means as we think about the next generation... It means if our thoughts about God are so important, that means one of the best things that we can do for the next generation is give them a right view of God. And so parents, that means that the best gift you can give to your kids isn't a fully funded college education. It's great if you can do that, but it's not the greatest gift. The greatest gift you can give to your kids is an opportunity to play on all these club sports teams. I mean, if you can fit that into your schedule, that's great. But parents, the greatest gift, the greatest gift you can give to your kids is a right view of God. If you volunteer at Brookside in our kids' ministries, our, our youth ministries, the greatest gift you can pass along to them is a right view of God. Grandparents... The greatest gift you can give to your grandkids 
is a right view of God. If you've got nieces or nephews or younger cousins, I mean, you, you see what I'm doing here. I'm just, all of us can do this. All of us can help those younger than us develop and have this right view of God. So we pass along what God has done, we pass along what God is like, and then we pass along what he's said. And here I'm just talking about keeping the Bible central. About helping those in the next generation actually know what the Bible says. And there are all sorts of ways to do this. If, you, if you're a parent that has kids at home, the, the place to start is just by grabbing a Bible. When our kids were younger, the, the Bibles that we used that our kids loved were the Jesus Storybook Bible. Great for little kids. Great for adults, too, to give you just a great sweep of Scripture. And then the Bible app for kids. Because that was the Bible and that was a screen. So win, win. Right there as parents. So, 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 we, so, so we did that. Grab a Bible. Did you know that our kids' ministry, every week, they encourage kids to memorize a Scripture? So parents, work alongside your kids to do that. To have them memorize Scripture. To put it inside of them. I can still remember scripture that I remember that, 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 I, that I memorized when I was in elementary school. Or another thing you can do is just take our 365 plan. We encourage adults to read through God's word daily. There's also this family passage here in, the, in one of the columns where you just read a small chunk of scripture with, with your kids and talk about, okay, what, what, what do we learn about God? What do we learn about what God is doing in that passage? And so look at this screen again. So we pass along what God has done, what he's like, and what he's said. As we keep these things in our minds, there are very intentional things that we need to be doing to do all this. Because none of these will happen without intentionality. And so I know, I know individuals who, who make sure to very intentionally pray for the next generation. I know individuals who very intentionally make time in their schedules to volunteer and serve in kids' ministry or with our youth ministries. For you families out there, this means that you very intentionally, in the rhythms of your family, create space for you to reflect very, again, very intentionally on God, what he's done, what he's like, and what he's said. This can be as simple but as important as just taking 15 minutes around supper time to read some scripture and to pray together. Maybe it's before bedtime. Whatever's best for you. It's taking one or two times a week to very intentionally create time. To say, so, so guys, what has God been doing in and around our family this last week? So, so these things, they require intentionality. But even as important as intentionality is, there's all sorts of informal ways we do this too. Things that we can never plan or put on a schedule, but just small windows of time that open up where we can just insert one or a couple of these things into these completely unexpected windows. A few weeks ago I was driving uh, our eight-year-old twins to soccer practice in the middle of a storm. That right there should have been the first clue that soccer practice was canceled that night. But, but we're driving... And we get to the field and realize, oh, it's raining out. Soccer's probably canceled. So we turn around, and the storm's just picking up. There, there's wind. You just see trees swaying. It's pouring rain. We're driving through stoplights where you see power go out. The stoplights just go blank. And so this is a big storm. And so, so in the middle of that, I just take half of a sentence 
to say something like this to my twins. I say, guys, look at how powerful God is. Do you know that he's the one that commands the weather? Ultimately, he's the one behind all this. Look at that power. Look at that creativity. Now, they, they didn't say, wow, Dad, that's the most profound thing we've ever heard. They didn't break into a worship song. Now, they just kept looking out the window, you know. They were fascinated by that. But, but I just used that small sentence to say, let's insert God informally into this situation. That's how we do it. We do it intentionally and we do it informally as we pass along what God has done, what he's like, and what he said And then I love that Psalm 78 also shows us why we do all these things. It keeps the big picture in mind and it shows us what what God's grace working in the lives of of the next generation, what it can accomplish. So verse 6 of Psalm 78, we'll just keep working our way down. So as we pass along what God has done, what he's like and what he said, we do this, verse 6, so the next generation would know these things, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. And so what this is getting at is personal ownership. So the next generation owns their faith so fully that they pick up the baton and they start thinking about how they can run well with it themselves. And they they think about how they can pass it off one day to the generation coming behind them. And again, I love the vision of this where, where even the children yet to be born would tell their children. So that way in 300 years, 400 years, when there are people walking around Omaha that none of us will ever know, there are people who are spending themselves to help others find and follow Jesus and to fight for the next generation because of how intentionally and faithfully we've passed the baton ourselves to the next generation so that way they would have the personal ownership they had to do with themselves and on and on from there and then verse 7 we see another another thing we prayerfully want God to produce in the next generation what we want them to do verse 7 is straightforward so then they would put their trust in God and they would not forget his deeds but would keep his commands and so we invest the next generation so that they would have wholehearted trust in God so that following God wouldn't just be this this token thing they do on Sundays and maybe on Wednesdays but it would just capture who they are as people so that way they would they would trust God enough to follow him and gladly obey him even when life is most difficult that's what we want to see happen Now, I, I know that we can't control any of these outcomes we've been looking at. We, we can't control either wholehearted trust or personal ownership. You can't snap your fingers and just create those things. This isn't a formula. I talk with parents often who, who pretty nearly have done all the right things. They've done the best they could with everything they were given. And their kids chose to go their own way. Their kids aren't tracking right now with Jesus. But I I hope you hear my heart on this. Even though we can't control it, even though we don't know exactly what our kids, what the next generation is going to do as they take the baton, we still do everything we can 
to encourage and cultivate these sorts of things, this sort of trust, this sort of ownership. My father-in-law, he's a farmer in central Nebraska. It's all he's done his entire life is grown corn and beans. And, and the thing every farmer knows is there's nothing you can do to control growth in your fields. But that doesn't stop him from spending himself every day to create an environment in his fields where, where corn and beans can flourish. He spends himself to encourage something he can never control. That's the picture for what I want to be about as I think about the next generation. That's a picture of what I want us to be about as we think about the next generation, where we, where we gladly spend ourselves for something that we can maybe never control, but we are going to do everything we can to encourage it, to create an environment where ownership and trust, where those flourish, where we fight for the next generation. So since investing in the next generation is such a big deal, is, is what we want to be about as a church family, then that means we need to take a little bit of time here towards the end of my time up here to say, so what? To look at some takeaways. Because if following Jesus is a relay, and if handing off the baton is crucial, how do we hand off the baton faithfully? How do we hand it off intentionally ourselves? How do we do this? First takeaway is that we run our lap well. And I, I put this at the top because I really do believe this is the most important. So my point here is simple. If we want to pass along a vibrant faith, that means that you need to have a vibrant faith yourself. Because what you model is way more important than any methods that you use or how current those might be. Jeff's sermon on fighting for a vibrant faith nailed it last week. So if you were traveling because of Memorial Day, get online, listen to it, because Brookside, all of this starts with us having a vibrant faith and us running our lap well. And then let me just repeat something Jeff said last week. It is never too late to run your lap well. Maybe you've taken a detour, it feels like. Maybe you feel like you've tripped and stumbled all over the place. It is never too late to pick yourself back up and start running well. I've got a friend who's 40 years old, and he said that his mom has had more spiritual influence on him in the last two years of his life. So since he was 38 now to when he's 40, than she ever had his entire life before that growing up. So I don't know what it was that made her start running her lap well. I don't know the, the intricacies of it. But she knows, and this, this friend of mine knows, it is never too late to start running your lap well. Second thing we do is that we, we pass the baton is the second takeaway. I mean, just think how crazy it would be in a relay race if one runner is grabbing the baton and he kind of runs around, about to finish his leg of the race, puts it in the hand of the next runner, but then doesn't release his grip on the baton. That would be like an awkward mess in the middle of the track. Because there comes a time in every relay where the right thing to do, the best thing to do, the natural thing to do, is to hand the baton off. 
And in the same way as we invest in the next generation, there comes a time when the right thing to do, the best thing to do, the most natural thing for us to do is to hand the baton off to the next generation, to hand off responsibility and to trust God's work in and through this next generation and then to, then to benefit from everything that they bring to the table. And just to be clear, when we hand the baton off, that doesn't mean we go out to pasture. It doesn't mean we're done running our race. But it means that we run a- alongside the next generation now as peers and as partners. We encourage and we coach. And speaking for myself, I'm so glad that someone passed me the baton when I was this fresh out of seminary 25-year-old. Didn't know a whole lot of what I was doing, but Brookside took a chance and hired me. And they said, Tim, go run. So they gave me oversight of different ministry responsibilities. And they probably let me stumble in ways that I don't even know they were letting me mess up. They graciously let me, let me do it. But, but they knew I was running my leg of the race. So they encouraged me to run faithfully. They gave me the baton. To all of you Brooksiders here who, who have gray hair or, or no hair. Or if you're empty nesters. Thank you. Thank you for all the ways you have already been willing to pass the baton off. Maybe even at the cost, maybe often at the cost of some of your own preferences. So we could continue to reach the next generation. So we could continue to fight for the next generation. We are here because you were here first. And so we stand on your shoulders. You champion what we're fighting for. You're an example of what I want to be in 25 years. Where where probably then church forms are going to look a little bit different than they do today. But church values will still say the same. Of helping people find and follow Jesus and fighting for the next generation. So, so, So thank you. And then the last takeaway is that there are some here today who need to hear me say, receive the baton. Here I'm talking especially to everyone in their 20s, all the college students, everyone here who's in high school. You see, I want you to know that Jesus is still building his church. I want you to know that there's still a lot of work that we need to do to help people find and follow Jesus. And we need you to help us advance the ball. I want to invite you off of the sidelines, off of all the ways you've benefited from being invested in as the next generation, and now get in the race. We need you. We need everything you bring to the table to help us run the next leg of the race faithfully and well around the track. So take the baton and run faithfully with everything you've got. So now in conclusion, let me just read a couple verses from Psalm 78 one more time. Verses that I hope mean even more to us after everything we've seen so far this morning. So Psalm 78, jump in in verse 4. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God that has a vision, not for any one generation, but for all the generations. So God, my request for myself and for Brookside is that you would keep that vision of the next generation hot in our church. Father, help every generation here at Brookside to have personal ownership of their faith and show wholehearted trust in you. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.